the end of the day, Jamila, there's really only four things you can do with your money. You can save it, you can spend it, you can invest it, and you can donate it. And so I think that when we look at money in a holistic sense, not only for what it can do for us, the ways in which it can empower us, but also what we can do with the money, then that kind of gives us a framework for deciding, hmm, what do I choose to do with my money? Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. I'm excited to bring you this episode of the Journey to Launch podcast, which is sponsored by Spruce, the new mobile banking platform built by H&R Block that's designed to help you be good with money. Spruce helps consumers feel financially confident and organized with their money as they take steps towards savings goals with features that include no sign-up fees and no monthly fees, automatic cashback rewards, courtesy overdraft protection up to $20, the ability to create personalized savings goals, and more. You can find out more and sign up for Spruce by going to sprucemoney.com. And on today's podcast, I'm going to be joined by Lynette Kalfani-Cox, the money coach. She is a personal finance expert, television and radio personality, and the author of numerous books, including the New York Times bestseller, Zero Debt, The Ultimate Guide to Financial Freedom. Lynette once had $100,000 in credit card debt before paying it all off in three years and turning her financial life around. Lynette is an OG in this space. I respect her work and career immensely. You are going to be in for a treat when you listen in. All right, let's get into it. Hey, journeyers, I have a special guest. All my guests are special, but this, this guest is really special because... She is someone that I look up to in the personal finance space as a creator, as a leader. She's been in this game. When I first came in, Lynette, just saying, and I know I just gave your name away, but you were one of the people that I looked at and and I said, if I could have a career (laughs) like Lynette, I will be winning. And so I'm excited to have you back on the podcast. You graced us before, and I'll link that episode where you came on and just talked about student loans and how people could get forgiven, hopefully through their company with the student loan, the stuff that was going on during the pandemic. And so I'm excited to bring you back on now to more talk about yourself and who you are and then some really exciting initiatives that you're a part of. Well, I'm so super happy to join you again. I was really looking forward to this conversation. We had such a a robust and rich and fun conversation last time. I was like, okay, second time around will be even better. Yeah. And so you are the money coach and you've been doing this for a while. So you've seen like, after talking about money for so long, right? Like whether it's writing, interviews, podcast, a lot of the same things I'm imagining you see as things that continually come up that are issues for people. Uh, so can you first give us a background on like how long you've been in this space and what you do? And then we'll get into kind of like the trends that you continue to see and how we can start changing that for positive. Sure. So without dating myself here, <laughs> I've had my business actually for 19 years. And so it's been an awesome nearly two decade run as a financial educator and a money coach. 
And it's really been a career that I parlayed off of my prior life as a full-time financial journalist. So, you know, Jamila, I used to be a Wall Street Journal reporter and I was a CNBC correspondent. I worked in the media for years before I started my own company in 2003. And so I really just kind of took what I learned as a financial journalist working on air at CNBC, working for Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal, because I would always interview people. And I would talk to stockbrokers and traders and money managers and um, investment advisors. And I was asking them about what worked and what they were doing to help their clients get ahead financially and become successful. So by the time I started my company, I was like, okay, this is not rocket science. You know, I've done this. I can help others and I can translate really kind of somewhat complex topics and help people break it down so that it's digestible and understandable and hopefully relatable and even fun to talk about money. Yeah. And so you've been doing it for so many years. What are the common trends that you continually see come up? Like, you know, that for someone coming in and first getting a sense of their own finances, it's just like, it's the biggest deal, like, but they think it's only them. And I know that that's not the case. Like, this is something you continually see as what people are struggling with or going through. Right. Well, debt has been a perennial challenge. And I think that one of the things that I'm most known for, you know, I've written 15 books, but one of my books is called Zero Debt, The Ultimate Guide to Financial Freedom. It's a New York Times bestseller. And unfortunately, over the years, the debt problem has only gotten worse in America. So we've, you know, we're into edition three of, of zero debt. A lack of savings is a huge, huge issue that most folks struggle with. Um, about 70% of Americans don't even have $400 in emergency savings to deal with the unexpected. So as we get each new crop or each new generation of folks coming along, whether that's the millennial generation and now Gen Z, they're encountering some of those same things that Gen Xers like myself have already had to go through and overcome. So things like wealth building, being able to make sure that you protect your family's finances, all of the sort of what I call bread and butter personal finance issues really do come around, you know, time and time again. They're cyclical as people go through a life cycle and they enter a new phase of life. Then they start to encounter some of the challenges that the people before them have already uh, faced. And, you know, people will say for millennials, I'm an older millennial, but like the younger millennials, the generations now coming up behind us that. For them, it's even worse, quote unquote, because of the inflation now, you know, that inflation so high. And then the even just trying to buy a home, like the price of real estate and um, the student loan debt. Right. Like so a lot of this, uh, what people are graduating with, like are far more than probably what people above our generations or older than us had to deal with. So how do you feel like that impacts um, people? Because I feel like I hear a lot that this is why I can't get ahead. Because all of these things, like this is unique to my generation and are stumbling blocks for moving forward. There's no question that it's financially a lot tougher these days for young folks coming of age and moving into adulthood. Um, and we see that borne out in the data when you look at the number of people who are becoming homeowners 
And those who say, I can't buy a house because I'm burdened with student loan debt, or I don't have enough money to save to be able to put down, say, a 10 or 20% down payment on a house that is, you know, well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just this past week, uh, some new data came out that showed the average new loan for a mortgage in America topped $450,000. And that's for the mortgage, that's the loan. So you figure they put down 10 or 20%. Those prices have gone, in many cases, out of reach for a lot of people. So it's definitely tougher. However, I will say this also, millennials like yourself and members of Gen Z, you have a huge opportunity as well. There's a tremendous amount of upside because of technology and in particular fintech, financial technology, because of the digital platforms and the tools at your disposal. I mean, you can have a podcast like yours or you can be on various social media platforms and you can actually monetize and make businesses out of that. There are evolving business models for entrepreneurship that allow you to do things that prior generations couldn't do. So you look at somebody who's on TikTok or on YouTube and who's pulling down significant revenue just based on their eyeballs and attention that they're getting and they're generating advertising revenue, they're getting affiliate revenue, they're creating courses. You know, so again, some of these things are newer and they've evolved. So I would encourage um, younger people to not only look at the side of things where it's like everything costs so much more, but yeah, you have an opportunity to earn a lot more as well. And, and you'll probably out earn significantly what your parents earned. Again, if you're working in certain state, in certain areas and, and you kind of dot the I's and cross the T's because there's, there's no guarantees, you know, even like we know just getting a degree there's no guarantee that you're going to have, you know, X, Y, Z job. So look at the upside as well as what I'm saying. That's such a good point because there's so much uh, technology, evolving technology at that. Like who knows what it would be in a few years. I remember you did, um, when I went to a FinCon, you did a big idea speech on AI. Was it? Sure. It was on artificial intelligence and blockchain. Yes. And that was years ago before, like it's, it was like even like <laughs> happening now. So I just, it's like you're so true is like to look at the positive side of what we can um, use as our advantage now with being able to use our phone and make money and find out information that before, you know, you had to write a letter or wait for a letter to come in the mail for how long? I don't know. To I, get I guess I was slightly ahead of the curve, ahead of my, <laughs> ahead of my time <laughs> in, in our space. But you know what? Another thing I, I'll, I'll emphasize is the ability to keep learning and creating and growing and monetizing as you do. So for example, just this week, I just earned my FinTech certificate from Cornell University. And so I'm super proud about that. I haven't even announced it yet. I guess I, could, I should go ahead and post it on social and whatnot. But again, a more grounding, more exposure and information around everything from blockchain and ledgers and cryptocurrency and digital banking as a huge part of that and about fintech disruptions that are taking place all across the uh, financial ecosystem and I think you already know I'm, I'm happy to be part of that and and because you know about my recent spokesperson work and what I'm doing with um, H&R Block and Spruce digital banking offering which is, is awesome, especially for 
a lot of millennials, for a lot of members of Gen Z and folks coming along who want to figure out, okay, how can I save more money? How can I make sure that I'm able to manage my finances and track my spending and things of that nature? So I should probably better clarify too and explain. No, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a a lot of information out there. People should be budgeting, types of investments, where they should be investing. It can be overwhelming, right? And so part of it is like, what are the systems and tools in place that we can trust that can help us um, get organized and do what we have to do in order to make progress with our finances? And you just brought up Spruce from H&R Block. And I would love to talk more about that because let's explain first what that is and then like why something like that is necessary. And then I would love to go in the history of why platforms like this are becoming more advantageous, especially for people of color, Black people, and younger people in this system that we're in. Mm -hmm. So Spruce combines a number of very powerful elements. It's a financial technology platform that includes a mobile banking app, a debit card, and a savings account. And it helps people in a lot of different ways. Obviously, people think about H&R Block, um, especially during tax season, you know, the largest tax preparation company in the, the country. But really, Spruce has the ability to be a game changer to help people with their finances all year round because the, the app does things like nudge you to save. It gives you reminders. It helps you to track your spending. It helps you to take that income tax refund check that you're going to get and the typical tax refund check right now is, a, is almost $3,000. And you can earmark or designate a portion of that to sock it away in your savings account to make sure you're not just blowing the money and not just spending it. So it has a lot of robust features. And it's really one of the newer models in terms of, I was saying, obviously, from a, a fintech perspective, We've seen, obviously, a lot of so-called neobanks or challenger banks, right, that have emerged in recent years to really kind of upset and disrupt the traditional financial services world in ways that are helpful, frankly, for consumers, because the old way of doing banking for decades and decades, it hasn't been working for a lot of people. Obviously, a lot of consumers are getting tired of having to pay all these monthly fees and getting nickel and dime to death, et cetera. So you've seen all these sort of neobanks emerge to say, listen, we don't charge monthly fees or we don't we don't have fees like that. And I think that now we've seen the industry try to respond to that. Some of the larger banks have dropped their monthly fees in response, et cetera. But the reason I really love Spruce is... It combines some of that same elements of the neobanks in terms of, yeah, we're not going to be charging you fees. We're going to provide a mobile first banking opportunity for you because some people, especially black folks and communities of color, you might be in an area where there are no banks in your neighborhood. And so you need a digital banking option. They're going to make sure that not only is it accessible in terms of you not having to have, you know, certain minimums amount that you have to keep in there without getting overdraft fees and all those kinds of things that you're going to get hit with. So it combines that element of the sort of neo bank, the challenger banks, what they've sort of done and how they've connected with consumers, but they have a really trusted brand behind it. 66 years worth of history and knowledge and H&R Block with a, a very, you know, pristine reputation. 
and a lot of data and insights because they know their customers for, for so long. You know, when you do some folks taxes and you do, you really get into the nitty gritty of their personal financial situations. So they've been able to take a lot of the lessons and the insights gleaned from six plus decades and apply a lot of that into this platform and this ecosystem to really give people um, a product and a, a tool and a service that they can use. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, like I'm looking at some statistics I'm reading here and it says the Americans least able to afford it pay 84% of fees for everyday financial services. So in other words, it's expensive to be poor or to even be middle income. You know, like if you, God forbid you miss a payment because the fees on top of fees that you're forced to pay is like, you know, astounding. And so I think things have to change. They are changing. And just like you mentioned, something like Spruce is like coming in and staking their flag and say, all right, here's what we're going to do about it. Can we talk a little bit about the lack of mistrust like in the banking system and kind of where that comes from and why, like, even if maybe you're not familiar, because I get a lot of people who ask, well, you know, I'm used to being banking in a traditional bank, like big bank. Then I like walking into the bank, even though I don't like how they treat me or I don't like what it stands for. And I hear about these things like Spruce, but I'm, they're still afraid to take that jump. Can we just talk about like what that can feel like for someone and the importance of probably looking for other options? Right. Well, I think there's been a legacy of mistrust, unfortunately, especially if we want to talk candidly about what's happened in communities of color, right? We've seen at every level, whether it's insurance and redlining, whether it's in mortgage lending, where the Federal Reserve data showed that typical Black woman who had same credit score, same income, same assets as her white counterpart was, you know, two and a half or three times more likely to get a subprime mortgage loan or to get a higher rate loan. And so we do know that there are biases in the system. We know that there's been a legacy in many cases where, and honestly, I can say a legacy, but it persists to this day. It's not just like, oh, this was 50 years ago or this was 100 years ago. This is still going on now in the year of our Lord 2022. So you you have research from places like Brookings Institute and others that show that you have to maintain in Black neighborhoods, you have to typically maintain a much higher balance, two and a half times as much roughly than folks in white neighborhoods in order to avoid getting a, a monthly service fee. And so think about what that means, because we know that by and large, African-Americans make lower incomes already. So if you have to keep a larger percentage of your paycheck in the bank account, in a, in a savings account or in a checking account in order to avoid a monthly fee, that's more of a struggle for you to do that. And then there's just other things about why we've had a, you know, kind of a history of mistrust. There was another survey recently that talked about um, the number of African-Americans at every socioeconomic level who said that they've been, they've had a negative experience and it was over 50% of them. Don't quote me on it, but I think it was somewhere in the seventies, 70 some odd percent said that they had had a negative experience walking in a bank. And so even if somebody's just like giving you the side eye or serving somebody else and not really attending to you or seemingly greeting everybody else in a warm and friendly manner, but just like kind of brushing you off 
or, or acting as if you don't belong in there in the first place. All of those types of things create a negative environment. And then you can see why people don't want to step foot in some financial institutions. You know, I do think that as a whole, it doesn't serve us to just financially opt out of the financial system. And unfortunately, that's a lot of what's happened. We have tens of millions of folks who are totally unbanked or underbanked. And that's not the right approach. Because what happens is you start to be subjected to predatory alternative financial services. You're going to run to the payday lender. You're going to be looking at the title loans or the car loans and that are um, high cost loans, that kind of stuff. And then it's consuming even more of your paycheck. And so it's not a good, it's not a good option. I would much rather see people engage with digital platforms like Spruce and others that help us to really make sure that we're meeting our needs in terms of our banking needs, our ability to save, and our willingness to trust and engage with the system. So for me, I was thrilled when H&R Block reached out to me because I know it to be a great brand, a trusted brand. And that issue that you raised about, okay, I see some of these, you know, startups and whatnot, but I'm like, can I really trust them? And I, I don't know. I get it for, for the for the newbie on the block that's a one, a two, a three, a four-year-old institution. But we're talking about for Spruce from H&R Block, this is a company that's been around for decades, <laughs> for 66 years. So they do occupy a place of trust. You're not going to walk into a branch because they're not offering, you don't need to walk into an H&R Block even though there are physical retail establishments for H&R Block, but you can literally pick up that cell phone, pick up your smartphone and, you know, download the, the Spruce app that way. And that's, it's by design because they want to increase access and make it easier and more convenient for folks. Yeah. And, you know, the flip side of that is when you don't have physical locations in this sense, it's less overhead. And so the savings on where like they can give you back. Like I know they do like a automatic cashback option for your debit card and all these cool features. It just, that's how they're able to do some of that because they don't have the overhead. That's what I'm assuming. I'm not in you know the back end of the business, but I know that typically for these bigger banks, they have a lot of overhead because of the physical locations. You're absolutely right. And that is correct. And um, the same is true with Spruce and even other things like being able to get your paycheck a couple days early. That's another offering through through Spruce. And, and again, so when you think about somebody who might be short on cash or who might need to pay the light bill today, an offering like Spruce that would help them to be able to access and tap into that paycheck maybe two days sooner, as opposed to running off to a payday lender and then paying an exorbitant amount like that, it's, it's, it's much more helpful. Um, and again, especially to, to our community. Yeah. So we're we're talking about a uh, banking solution for people, which is key and necessary because no one should be under bank or they don't have the options, you know, to bank with someone that they trust and where they're valued. What are the other aspects? Like if you're looking at someone's financial life, as many decades have you have been able to help people with their money, what else do they need as a part of their moving forward to increase their financial health, right? Like it's, yeah, the banking platforms, but what else should someone have surrounding them to financially be okay? Sure. 
I think a couple things can help people overall. The first thing I think is that they should look at their finances in a holistic manner. Nothing having to do with money just kind of exists in a vacuum by itself. Everything touches upon is in, and is related to other aspects. You need to be looking at things like, do I have life insurance and do I need life insurance? Did I just get married? Did I have a baby? If I did have a child, do I have a 529 college savings plan for them to think about their future so that they won't have to have student loan debt the way I had to have student loan debt? You want to be thinking about beyond just the savings side of things. You want to be thinking about growing your money and investing it. At the end of the day, Jamila, there's really only four things you can do with your money. You can save it, you can spend it, you can invest it, and you can donate it. And so I think that when we look at money in a holistic sense, not only for what it can do for us, the ways in which it can empower us, but also what we can do with the money, then that kind of gives us a framework for deciding, hmm, what do I choose to do with my money? That's why I like budgeting. And, you know, honestly, I know people say, oh, the B word, she brought up the B word. No, no, don't tell me about that. Well, you need to change your mindset because a budgeting tool and a budget itself is really a spending plan of action. It's an empowerment tool because it lets you decide how do you choose to spend your money? So it's going to help you with cash flow. It's going to help you to avoid living paycheck to paycheck. It's going to help you to see with with clarity how you're spending your money and everything that's coming out and going you know in the door. And so we have at our disposal now a lot more tools, apps, services, a lot of things that can help us and give us greater insights. And yes, artificial intelligence and big data is driving a lot of that. And I tell people, lean into it. Like, don't be afraid of the technology. Use it to your advantage. You, you've seen, obviously, I'm sure on the, let's say on the wealth building front, there's tools and apps out there, whether it's a betterment or a wealth front and personal capital types of, of things that focus you towards thinking about your net worth, right? And tallying up all your assets and, and things of that nature. Again, they're just taking a whole bunch of data and linking it and giving you kind of a financial dashboard to be able to take a look at things so you can have clarity and you can really see and you can track things. Just like Spruce is going to help you to track your spending. Some other apps and tools might help you to track your net worth. Some might help you to track your insurance holdings, your real estate, your, you know, other things. So all of this, you, you have to look at your whole financial picture um, and not just one segment of it. Yeah, it, you know, it's also like like systems, right? It's systems and tools, like apart from, uh, like you said, like there's four things you can do with your money. And then there's like systems and tools that can help you with each of those things and streamline them and, or at least make it easier for you or automate it. And I think as we are in this new age and as much as maybe like older people complain about, and I'm sorry if you're older listening to this, but older complaining about like kind of the new technology coming out and how things are different. It's kind of like, it is different and it's going to continue to change. And we, we do have to figure out, you know, if you are in the technology age, like for example, I have three small kids right now, they're seven, five, and three. And, you know, I'm wondering what's going to be the thing when they are, you know, teenagers, young teens, like, will there be hologram like connections and talking to people, which 
it's so foreign to me, but there are things that are happening now that I know my mom or my grandmother couldn't, wouldn't believe is happening or that we're, we're able to do. It's here already, <laughs> yeah. Jamila. I mean, when you think about the metaverse and you think about things like um, Oculus Quest from, from Meta, um, I bought my husband an Oculus for uh, uh, Christmas or I can't remember if it was Christmas or his birthday, one of the two. I think it was Christmas. He loves that. And he can just go exploring. He can use an app called Wander. He can see, you know, he goes back to his old neighborhood in the Bronx and just, you know, but um, everything from using it for health benefits, we've done boxing using the Oculus headset, you know, but there's definitely going to be that next level, that next iteration especially as we're moving more and, and getting into kind of, you know, what's called web 3.0, et cetera. Yeah. Your kids, by the time they're teenagers and then young adults, yeah. Holograms will probably be the norm, you know, but we have to prepare for that. And in a lot of ways we have to embrace it. And I know it's uncomfortable sometimes initially that people don't want to, they're like, ah, you know, I'm like, come on, you Luddite, come on, step into the new era of technology, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm joking when I call people that, but just, and honestly, at one point I was one of those people who was like, ah, even when social media first, you know, came on the scene, Earl was like, okay, you know, you, you're going to have to get on this platform and that. And I was like, more stuff for me to do. I was like, I already have my email newsletter. I already have this. I have my TV stuff I'm doing. It, it can seem overwhelming. So I, I get it. But the more you adapt and try and keep an open mind, you can see the benefits of it as well. Not to say that there is no drawbacks or or downside. Those have to be managed and kind of mitigated. But take advantage for of the things that are good with technology and use that to your advantage. That's so true. And as you mentioned, you have the staples of email and television. And ultimately, even though we're now moving more towards social media and people who have hundreds of thousands and millions of followers they still need to be careful and go back to the foundations, which just reminds me that ultimately, even the new tools that are coming out, they are all leaning back to the foundational things that we need to do. Let's just say you need a budget. Ultimately, it's, you need a spending plan to help you with your money. And th- what what is the newest tool that can help you do that, that works with your personality or makes that easy to do? I'm thinking of that like with banking and how things are changing, but really people just want somewhere where they can manage their money, have access to it, and it's safe, right? And so ultimately, like the foundational thing will always be the truth of it or what's needed, but the way we approach it or the way it looks may change and that's okay. Right. And one other thing I would add besides taking kind of a holistic approach to your finances is that it's important to have a team. Like I think so many of us try to be like diehard do-it-yourselfers, you know, I'm all for having apps and tools and, and things that of course you can, there are many things that you can do yourself. But when you need expert advice, when you need insights, when you need additional information, et cetera, or when you just need help and support, you absolutely should have a team. I have a team to deal with my finances and I'm su- I'm glad because it's helped me to grow at every level and to continue going to the next level. And so you should think about like, okay, do you need an accountant or a CPA? Do you need a money manager or an investment advisor? Do you need a financial planner? Do you need a money coach? Do you need, uh, you know, an attorney on your side, just, you know, depending on if you're a small business owner or what kind of what you're doing? Do you need some marketing support if you're in this, you know, small business, you know, whatever. But 
part of the entrepreneur's at least curse is when we try to do too much and, you know, and take on all of these tasks and then you get burned out. Yeah, that's such solid advice because ultimately sometimes when we're approaching our finances and we want to improve them, we're coming from it from a way of how do I cut back? And then that leads us to saying, okay, I could do everything myself. Like, let me X out. I don't need that. Don't need that. And I've found in my life and for a lot of people that I've interviewed or talked to is that they've been able to add more income or add more to their lives, more ease, um, more economies of scale because they've they pay for things and it doesn't have to be expensive things or they've invested in things. They invested in the education to learn this thing or the help to better understand something, which then gives them the tools to do the very thing that they're looking to do. That's absolutely right. Um, for most things in life, you're going to pay one or two things. You're going to pay with money or you're going to pay with time. So if you are like my husband and I, Earl Cox, his goal is to become a time billionaire. So he wants us to free up our time and to have financial freedom that's reflected in a life that we choose where we engage as much as we choose or as little as we choose. We work as much as we want or as little as we want. And yes, in order to have that, you have to be willing to let go of some things and to pay others. He he joked with me um, some years ago and said how he grew up. He was like, I would have never thought about having a nanny. You know, <laughs> he was like, that would have been like so far out of the thing. And he's like, they're not. He's like, I can't believe like, you know, we had a nanny, you know. <laughs> But yes, it, it enabled us to grow our business significantly and to be focused in, in that way. And, and that's just on the personal side, but it had implications for our business. Yeah. And just like the times, just like I'm just smiling when I'm, I hear you say, Earl, say about the nanny thing, because also we have to remember times were different and, you know, culturally, like we had more support and more community back in the day, uh, whereas, you know, maybe you had more family members that could help you who lived close by. Right. And now with the, you know, people getting squeezed out of where they grew up because of pricing and like leaving, like it, it's just harder. And so you do have to change and understand the change and not feel like that guilt if you need the additional help or need the additional resources so that you can thrive and be your ultimate best or perform your ultimate best or do what you need to do in order to thrive. Right. One of the things I always tell people is, don't suffer in silence. And all too often, we just take it upon ourselves to say, Ugh, I'm in this hole, or I made this bed, I got to lie in it, or I got to figure, I got myself into it, I got to figure it out how to get out of it. No, you don't. You can ask for help. Somebody else has probably walked that path before you, and they can give you some relevant insights, some tips, some tools, some strategies to use, or that crucial support that you need to get out of that situation. So don't just think that you have to do everything yourself. That's actually not the case. No, there's too much. There's too many resources, too much also free information out there and tools that can help you. So Lynette, I would love to tell people more about where they can find Spruce and any more takeaways that you want to share with them so they can find out about a, a resource that can help them with their banking needs. So you can definitely get more information at sprucemoney.com. That's the website that you can hit, but you can also download the free app from the app store, regardless of whether or not you have an, your iOS device or you have an Android device, you can uh, download the free app. Yes. And Lynette, tell people where they can find more about you and your amazing work. 
Thank you for that too. Askthemoneycoach.com is my free financial advice site. It has about 1,600 articles on 26 categories of personal finances and a lot of video content, um, as well as my video-based platform, moneycoachuniversity.com, and then my personal site, lynettecalfanicox.com as well, which tells you all about me. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much, Lynette, for coming on the show, telling us more about Spruce. And just, I love just catching up with you too and just really sharing behind the scenes of what we talk about all the time with money. And I just hope this helps someone right now go out and do something different, improve their finances. Same here. And I'm happy to come back anytime. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me and the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here, so show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.